Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and make, made him king in the place of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of Adonai, just as his father Amaziah had done. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the visions of God. As long as he sought Adonai, God made him prosper. He went out and fought the Philistines and breached the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabneh, and the wall of Ashdod. He built cities in Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabs who dwelt in Gerbaal, and against the Maonites. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread abroad, even to the border of Egypt, for he had become exceedingly strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem, at the corner gate, the valley gate, and at the angle, and fortified them. He also built towers in the wilderness and dug out many cisterns, because he had much livestock, and he had farmers in the foothills and in the plain, and vine dressers in the mountains and in the fertile fields, for he loved the soil. Uzziah also had a well-trained army ready to go out to battle by divisions, according to the numbers mustered by the head of Jeel, the scribe, and Messiah, the official, under Hananiah and the king's chieftains. The total number of family leaders over the fighting men was 2,600. And under their command was an army of 307,500, trained for war with mighty power to support the king against the enemy. Uzziah provided shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and sling stones for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made machines designed by skillful men to be used on the towers and on the corner to shoot arrows and hurl large stones. So his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped until he became strong. Thank you, Tracy. I kind of got the feeling when we're talking about Tu Bishvat that perhaps not every single person uh, is aware of Tu Bishvat. So let me take a moment before we dive into this passage. Tu Bishvat, by the way, uh, means the 15th day of the month of Shvat. Uh, it's also called the New Year of Trees and um, um, or Jewish Arbor Day and a bunch of other names. And a couple of uh, items that I wanted to point out. One is that the sages, the rabbis, wanted to make sure that people were on the money when it came to tithing. Uh, tithing was a major issue uh, for them, and frankly, it is a big deal for us as well. Um, and so with each agricultural product, they wanted to make sure that uh, the products were properly tithed. And so uh, according to tradition, uh, a tree um, had to be at least around for three years in order for it to be considered um, uh, productive. 
And so they, um, they required that for three years, nothing was taken off the tree in terms of harvesting. Then after the third year, uh, they would take uh, fruit and they would need to uh, tithe, uh, give a tenth of it uh, for the Levites. And um, the, uh, the 15th of Shvat was sort of the month of uh, division, in a sense, because in Israel, uh, trees begin to bud and blossom uh, during this time of year. It's kind of hard for us to believe it here because we got snow, but um, in any event, that was the original purpose. Now, since then, Tu B'Shvat has become a, uh, a time uh, in Israel, particularly for people to come and plant trees. Uh, by the way, uh, Israel now, in 2018, has more trees than it did in 1918, the only country in the world that, that, uh, for which this is the case. So, Tu B'Shvat, um, by the way, it's also a time of celebration for us because it is a reminder for us that um, God's blessing has been in Israel uh, because that's part of the plan for Israel to be blessed and to be um, a light to the nations. So there you have it, Tu Bishvat. Um, about a week ago, I uh, was invited to go to Fort Collins uh, to visit with a, uh, a Jewish man who was up in uh, rehab and uh, was clearly something that, you know, sometimes um, if you're familiar with the expression of cranking up the Lizzie, if you remember the old, 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 uh, none of us were around, but what they'd have to do is uh, uh, they didn't put on a key and get the car started, but there was something called the Lizzie, which was something you would crank and get the car going. And you know the feeling that sometimes you feel, you get up in the morning, you feel like you need to crank the Lizzie? It's like, okay, this is going to be a slow day. Well, that Monday was very much like that. And... Uh, I had been invited to come and meet with this man, and I had met him uh, maybe five, six years ago, and a uh, minor issue was that this was in Fort Collins, and if you have driven from here to Fort Collins, you know that this is not exactly a picnic. Sometimes um, I-25 can be a barking lot. <laughs> I'm glad somebody caught that. And, uh, and on top of that, we were told that uh, this gentleman had uh, appointments till 4 o'clock, and my daughter's birthday was that particular day, and we were supposed to meet her at 6.30, and so I had a window of opportunity to get up to Fort Collins, talk with this guy, get down here. And I thought, okay, do I really want to go? The answer is, of course, no. Does God want me to go? Yes. And uh, so it was his problem how all that was going to happen. Well, as it turned out, traffic was amazingly light. Um, and this fellow was eager, believe it or not, to sit and talk about spiritual things. 
particularly with someone who had a Semitic face like mine, because we can talk language that he understood. And so for me, it was such a vivid reminder that in our weakness, God is able to do all kinds of cool things. Uh, because our uh, difficulties and challenges are basically a platform that provide God an opportunity to show his stuff. And we, of course, are not particularly eager um, to be interested in engaging with life and reality when, when we are not up to snuff. You know, what we like to do is basically go and hide somewhere, but we don't have the option to go and hide, right? God says to us, go, and we have a basic option of arguing, which is always foolish, or going and doing what it is God wants us to do and receiving the blessing. Um, Uzziah was a, a case in point uh, of someone who came into a situation uh, where he was expected to, to serve and he was not exactly in, in great shape. Here you have a 16-year-old who is not just raised to the throne of Judah, but hustled to the throne of Judah. Why? Because his father was assassinated. And you can understand that normally, um, especially a young person who comes to a position of great influence, they usually have some advisors. Well, in this case, the advisors were the people who assassinated his father. Um, so it was um, a little touchy. And then on top of that, uh, Uzziah, which by the way means my God is my strength, um, is coming to the throne after 66 years of Judah being a spiritual and political mess. Absolutely. Uh, Father Amaziah, Amaziah um, as I mentioned, was assassinated someone who initially started out great guns. Then at some point he decided that, that God uh, was not all that he was cracked up to be. So he decided to go and pursue the gods of, of Edom. Um, then to backtrack some, um, Yoash, Joash, uh, Grandpa, again, started great guns. Uh, he saw to it that the temple would be um, refurbished. And then at some point, um, his mentor, his mentor died, and Yoash just derailed completely. And he decided to, to go back to the worship of the goddess of fertility, Asherah, and other idols. And um, he didn't have a great ending either. His officials killed him while he was in bed recovering from a battle. So that was grandpa. Then great-grandpa was an absolute mess. Um, nothing good about him spiritually. And he was captured and killed. Then great-great-grandpa 
did evil in the eyes of the Lord and God punished him with having, I know this is lunch time here, uh, having his intestines come out with great pain. Um, so 66 years of that and Uzziah comes to the throne under these conditions. And yet, what we see is that at least a, a big chunk of his rule, and he ruled for 52 years, big chunk of his rule, uh, he accomplished a great deal of, of he was very successful. Um, he built towers in Jerusalem, i.e. for the purpose of protecting the city. He was apparently someone who loved farming. I mean, you can go on and on as Tracy read to us er earlier. Um, he was very, very successful. Why? Because God helped him and his strength in, in, in Hebrew, it's very expressive. Uh, he became strength. Uh, he became strong until, uh, until the heights. In other words, he was as strong as you can get uh, in the early years. And um, again, remember that the major reason for that being the case was the fact that God was very much engaged. Uh, and Uzziah, at the very beginning, a couple of facts that I wanted to mention. First of all, he himself was uh, oriented in that direction. Um, he did what was right or straight in God's eyes. Uh, secondly, um, he sought God. In other words, he actively pursued the knowledge of God. It wasn't just passive. He went after God in a sense. And a big chunk of the issue was the fact that uh, Uzziah was blessed with a wonderful mentor named Zechariah. By the way, there were a ton of Zechariahs. This is not the prophet Zechariah. Um, so part of the picture here is that you have a young fellow who is coming to the throne under miserable conditions and eventually becomes very, very successful. Why? Because God is at work with him, even though initially it doesn't look like he has um, the likelihood of being very successful. And th this is what God does, you know, he takes situations that are less than optimal and he uses them to demonstrate just who he is. And uh, that's certainly been the case at Yeshua Tzion. Uh, if you've been with us for a length of time, you'll know that for 15 years we went through without any discernible outward growth. In other words, for 15 years, if you were to come from Shabbat to Shabbat, you, you would see the same group of people, there was absolutely no growth. And you know what happens under those conditions? People are inclined to look and say, ah, the congregation is not growing. You're not doing something right. Um, and because I am, at that time, was the one who was standing behind the pulpit, guess what? Their bony finger was pointing in my direction, uh, implying that I was not doing what I was supposed to be doing, et cetera, et cetera. And 
at this stage in my life, I have no problem owning up to deficiencies. Uh, God knows I have plenty of those. Um, however, Yeshua Tzion, folks, is named Yeshua Tzion. It's not named Chaim Tzion. <laughs> do, you, do you get what I'm saying by that? Yeshua Tzion is about Yeshua. And my thought simply was, look, we haven't seen discernible growth, and either God is going to make things happen or he will not. If he doesn't make things happen well, we'll go and uh, we'll go fishing, go to the mountains, do something else. But if this is God's gig, if Yeshua Tzion is God's house, then he has to make things happen. It doesn't mean that we're passive, we sit on our posteriors and do nothing, but the one who does the heavy lifting, the real work here at Yeshua Tzion, not the grants and the musicians and Vlad and the folks in the Torah service or me or Rabbi David, the one who does the real work here at Yeshua Tzion is God. And part of the picture, because he is God, he doesn't seem to operate according to our particular standards and timetable. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times, it seems like God is doing absolutely zip. But we know better because we know that God is always at work to accomplish his plan and his strategy. And so what you're seeing here today is a product of that. The last several years, God has been bringing all kinds of people. And that's not because we who are engaged in serving him have been doing anything cute and clever. Er. Um, we're doing what we've always endeavored to do, and that is to be faithful and to persevere and do what it is God puts before us. In simple faith... That as we do that, as we obey him, he will bless us. And that's a very basic scriptural principle that we see all the way in, from the Torah, the very beginning, all the way to the end. You obey God, you experience his blessing. You disobey God, you experience his judgment. Simple principle that, oper that is operative all the way through scripture. And so we, we see with Uzziah and Jehoshaphat, which we looked at his example last Shabbat, and Asa and the other kings, we see as they were committed to doing what it is God put before them, they experienced God's blessing, all kinds of blessing. But you know, part of the picture is when God begins to bless us, we get giddy, we get silly, and it goes to our head. And what you find in these accounts, in each and every single situation, that as they got strong, as they got powerful, as they got wealthy, then they fell off the wagon. Verse 15 and verse 16 of this chapter, um, Uzziah made machines designed by skillful men for use in the towers 
in the corners, etc., etc. For he was great, greatly helped until he became powerful. Who was the one who was helping him? Obviously God. And verse 16, after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God. He entered the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. There is a direct correlation between Uzziah getting strong and his strength being the source of his becoming uh, arrogant and foolish. The Hebrew there is very emphatic. His heart was raised up. And, and you know, anytime you raise yourself up, then you know who is going to put you down. Not because he's sadistic, but because you need some basic lessons. You know who is God and who isn't. And, and he becomes uh, corrupted in his perspective, and he becomes unfaithful. The Hebrew th word there, ma'al, lit literally means treachery. It's the same word that was used in reference to Achan, Achan, uh, in Joshua chapter 7. He committed a treachery, and because of that, he ended up dead. And, and in this case, with Uzziah, he comes into the temple, which was okay, but then he takes incense and he enters into the holy place, which is right next to the Holy of Holies, and he prepares to put incense on the altar of incense. Now, you may not be aware of the implications, but in, in the Torah, it was very, very emphatic that the incense was something in particular that was very special to God because it represented a very clear um, act of worship. If you remember the sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, came with what Scripture calls strange or unauthorized incense. What happened to them? They were nuked. Um, and so God was very particular about the fact that specific individuals were tasked, were given the proper authority to do what it is God has called them to do. And that people who presume to do otherwise will experience God's judgment and God's discipline. Now, this is not something that uh, goes over very well in our culture because we have this notion of God, whoever he or she or it may be, uh, is a loving God, etc., etc. And the notion of God judging seems to be totally incompatible with a loving God. Well, a Jewish answer, yes to both. Yes, he is loving. Yes, he is just. The two go absolutely hand in hand. And so here, Uzziah the king comes about to put incense and you have a whole mess of priests coming to try and stop him. 80, 80 guys including the, plus the, uh, the high priest. Uh, and think about the implications. You try to stop the king, he can have your head. And they say to him, there's absolutely no, no way that you can do that because you will be coming against God's principles and you'll be experiencing his judgment. And 
And you'd think Uzziah might stop and say, well, okay, maybe you have a point. Well, instead, he gets angrier. The Hebrew phrase there, Hebrew verb there, za'af, means to become angry, to storm against to such an extent that he is out of control. He is ranting and raving in front of all these people in the temple, just, just a hair away from the Holy of Holies. You can imagine that at this point he is not thinking too clearly. And God's attitude is, Bud, you're way out of line. And he's struck with a disease, leprosy or some other horrible skin disease. And the priests grab him and hustle him out of there. And at this point, he himself wants to get out because he knows he finally gets it that he blew it. And so Uzziah, who spent most of his life as a king, right on the money, following God, listening to his mentor, Zechariah. Apparently when his mentor died, he goes, he goes south. He, he goes off the rail. And at this point, he is no longer able to rule. He lives in a house that is separate. He is not able to come to the temple. And he spent the rest of his life isolated from people. Major reason for that is that as he is about to carry out the act of desecration and he's challenged and he's corrected, he is totally unteachable, un uncorrect uncorrectable. Total opposite of David, if you recall, after the sin of Bathsheba, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan's answer as representing God was, the Lord has taken away your sin, you're not going to die. Polar opposite in how David responded and how Uzziah responded. Now you say, this is severe, severe judgment on the part of God towards this guy. But remember, folks, as a basic, there's several principles when it comes, when, when we're talking about uh, serving God in the capacity of leadership. Yeshua said, to whom much is given, much is required. In other words, the more God gives you, the more he expects for you to properly invest it in serving him. You are not allowed to take what he's given you and use it willy-nilly as you see fit. Secondly, the book of James tells us in chapter 3, not many of you guys should be teachers because you will incur greater judgment. In other words, those of us who are blessed with the opportunity to share the word of God here or on Wednesday night or any other capacity are accountable to God for what comes out of our mouth. Folks, I don't know about you, that really puts the fear of God into me. Because the truth is, any and all of us suffer sometimes from hoof and mouth disease. Do you know what I'm saying? You open your mouth and you say, oops, 
uh, that really should not have come out. And sometimes we're in a position to correct it. Sometimes the damage had been done. But especially someone who is in a position like Uzziah, if, if you blow it and you're confronted, the only sensible thing to say is, I'm sorry, I have sinned. And you know, part of the picture with this, to extrapolate some and apply it, is a couple of principles that we need to take and remind ourselves. First of all, is all of us need people in our life who speak into our life, as Zechariah did in the case of Uzziah earlier on. Who, who are close enough to us and close enough to God and who understand what it is that God wants us to say and so that when we open our mouth, what comes out is something not just sensible, but something that has God's wisdom. All of us need that. Secondly, all of us need to be accountable. There's one God. The rest of us have the propensity to blow it. We're all vulnerable. And God blesses us by giving, giving us people who will look at our life and say, you know, you really are out of line here. You really are out of order. I love you, but I need to tell you that you are way in a different universe here. And unfortunately, part of reality for a lot of people of one kind or another, is that we're not willing to be accountable. We're not willing to be transparent. We feel like we have to put out a different uh, vision of, of who we really are instead of saying, this is who I am, and I'm willing to be accountable, I'm willing to be teachable, I'm willing to be correctable. Even if you get to my advanced age, you still need to be able to do that. And that's true for all of us from the very young to the very old. Uzziah was right on the money as long as he had the, uh, the counsel of Zechariah who spoke into his life and said, this is what you need to do. You need to seek God in this particular situation. And he imparted some basic wisdom on that. And when you look around in the body of Messiah and government, etc., and you see people who get into major trouble, inevitably, inevitably, folks, there are people who are not accountable, who are not willing to say, here I am, you're welcome to speak into my life. Not that we come to every Tom, Dick, and Harry and give them permission, but we have a number of people who are willing to speak to us and say, you know, this is not the best course of action here. And that's God's gift to us. When God gives us people who are able to do that, to speak to us, for us to take that and avoid stumbling and falling to a pit or, or going off a cliff. Now, you think about 
serving God in, in a leadership capacity and so on, and you say, okay, maybe I don't want to do that if I have the, the possibility of blowing it and we, we need a balance there. And the balance is that, yes, it is a sobering task. Yes, it is something that God requires us to be responsible to Him, first of all. What do we do with what He's given us? To whom much is given, much is required. However, there's the joy. There's the joy, folks, in serving God in knowing that you are partnering with him and and you are seeing God as the one who does, who is a senior partner, this, you're seeing God as the one who does the major amount of work and yes, you participate and you're the junior partner, so to speak, and you see him do all kinds of stuff and then you step back and say, wow, God, this is very cool. Your kingdom is expanding and you're giving me the the honor and the absolute blessing to be part of that. To partner with you. And yes, I know I'm vulnerable. But as long as I understand who you are, who I am, and as long as I'm willing to be accountable, you will keep me in line. And that's the security we have, folks. That as our hearts are inclined towards the Lord, as our noses are pointing in His direction, as we say, God, here I am. Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. You have the key to every part of who I am, every part of my house. Then we have the confidence that even though we're vulnerable, even though we have issues, even though we have stuff yuck and so on we know that God is at work and that somehow in the process he uses us clay pots that we are he uses us to do his great work and you step back and say wow God this is very cool I'm honored and blessed to be partnering to be junior partner with you to do the work of your kingdom and by the grace of God, as we do that, then we do that consistently year in, year out, year in, year out. And at some point, we get beamed, beamed up to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for the privilege of serving. And we don't have the kind of experiences these guys had of falling off the wagon and going mishugi and having to experience God's severe judgment. Yes, God, folks, will always discipline us because we need the discipline in one form or another. But if our hearts are pointed in His direction, He will see to it that what is produced is good fruit and we share in His joy. Let's pause and give thanks. Lord God, we acknowledge who you are, we give you thanks. We bless you, Lord, that you don't put catch-22 before us, expecting us to serve you and having absolutely no means. Thank you, Lord God, for your ruach. 
Thank you, Lord God, for the joy you give us to serve you. Thank you, Lord God, for the truth of your word that as we are faithful in small things, you'll give us additional opportunities to serve you and to experience greater and greater joy in being partners with you and seeing the work of your kingdom expand. Lord God, we, I pray for each one of us that you'll give us the necessary vision of what that looks like in our life. Lord, that we will not be content to looking at other people and saying, God, you're doing great things with them. But Lord, that we would be jealous, that we would be filled with zeal, Lord God, to see what it is that you want to do in and through us. We pray, Lord, that you receive much honor and glory. We ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.